0: Um, I told you last week that tonight we're going to talk about how to um, mentor um, brand new believers. And um, so I'm going to talk about that. Um, in Before the life group split, Mike did talk about like leading people to Christ and stuff like that. So I was going to give a little blurb on it, but I'm not going to have a lot of time. But I do want to read something to you from 1 John. And 1 John... And I love this. Um, okay. Um, I am writing to you. This is verse twelve in chapter two. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven in His name, for His name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you fathers because you know him who has been with, who has been from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So this is in the arrival kit. And if you've been through the arrival kit, you've heard this, but I love this because he says basically in the kingdom, there are children, there are young men and women, and there are mothers and fathers. And, maturity is to be a mother and a father to be a young man or a young woman is to overcome the evil one and um, the evil one is satan and it means that you're not struggling with sin in your life and so in the beginning we come to christ and we begin to know him and as we grow in the lord we overcome the evil one and we become mature And um, it doesn't say we become perfect because earlier in the chapter it says, if you sin, you have an advocate with the father, but there's an overcoming. We're not struggling with habitual sin. We're not struggling with strongholds. We're not struggling with addictions. We've, We've overcome the evil one. And then from that point, we become a father and a mother. And that's where we're investing In other people. Now, here is the very sad truth in America. The church in America is mostly filled with little children. And, you know, you can go into any church and meet people and they might know the word. But they may not be obeying it fully. Or they may be struggling with things. And their passion is not... I'm going to overcome the evil one and I'm going to be a mother and father in the faith. If you, if you just ask everyone to stand up and say, what is your goal? My goal is to make a lot of money. My goal is to have fun. My goal is to have a lot of friends. My goal is blah, 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 blah. But you don't hear a lot of people stand up and say, my goal is to know Jesus, to overcome the evil one in my life and to be a mother and father. But if we want people to look at us, if we want God to look at us and say, there's my daughter, there's my daughter, and she is mature, then we have to overcome the evil one, and we have to become a mother and a father in the faith. So, why is that? Because... You know, I was in college and I, um, I had gotten saved and I had just, you know, like God was so good to me. I was in a wheelchair and he healed me so I could walk again. And there's this, I had this powerful testimony. And not only that, but he had forgiven my sins and I was so prideful and so arrogant, you know. And then God gave me such a humble heart before the word and he changed me and I was so excited. And I remember when I began to lead people to Christ oh my word i would be with them and all i could think is how can i feed them how can i feed them how can i feed them but i looking back there was something that happened in me before i got to that point there was something that happened because i remember like i grew up very liberal so i you know i struggled with hell and i remember being in my dorm room Saying, Lord, I just don't know if I can accept that people go to hell for all of eternity. And I was wrestling with God and I was crying out and I was just sharing how hard it was for me. And then I remember getting down on the floor on my face and saying, God, whatever your word says, I accept. It's not how I feel about it. Your word is true and I'm surrendering to your word today. And I had moments like that with my sin, moments like that with my ideas, where I surrendered to Jesus. And it was not pretty, and it was not easy. And I have spent the rest of my life surrendering to Jesus. I don't feel like I've arrived. Like, I feel like I'm you know, still moving forward. But there, is, there was this thing inside of me that said, my passion in life is Jesus Christ. My passion in life is not to make money. My passion in life is not to have a perfect marriage. My passion in life is not to have lots of friends who love me. My passion in life is to know Jesus and to do whatever he wants me to do and to become like him. And in the pursuit of that, I have made a lot of choices that people don't always understand. I remember this was about 10 years ago, so you don't know this person, but there was a woman in my church and um, we we would get together and practice music and do some things like that. And she said, you know, you never do anything just fun. Like I just wanna sit and I wanna hang out with you and I wanna just like go shopping. And I said, oh, I don't, I don't do that because there's not time in my life for it. I don't think it's wrong. And God could have me in a season when I do stuff like that. But this season of my life, I'm not into it. You know, I'm choosing to raise my children, homeschool my children, support my husband, and labor in the kingdom of God. And believe it or not, I have great friends and we labor together. But I don't want to be friends with people who want to sit around and go to the mall. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying I don't want to do it. You know, I don't have the time in my life because I'm sold out for Jesus. I'm running after him. I don't wake up and say, how can I have fun? I wake up and say, how can I honor Christ? And how can I love his people? And how can I win the lost? And that is what drives me. And so because that is what drives me, in my life, I have been misunderstood. And, you know, but I can't, I just reached a point where I thought, okay, I'm going to stand before God at Judgment Day. And not one single human being, not one single human being, I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account for every choice that I have made. And so I made a decision when I was 19 that I will not compromise. Now I have compromised, but I hate it. But I have set my heart to follow Christ. And I have set my heart to be close to people who follow Christ. It doesn't mean I don't love everybody, but the people that are in my close Close place are sold out for Jesus because I can't risk it to be close 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 to someone who's a compromiser because you become like the people you spend time with now obviously you can't get rid of your spouse obviously you can't get rid of your children or your parents God put them in your life but <laughs> <laughs> she had to turn around and look at me. So out, like, me this <laughs> and so and but and God puts unbelievers in our life that we love to the Lord. My closest friend in college was not a Christian and we just hit it off. But our friendship really changed after she got saved because she before she got saved, I had to protect myself from compromise because she was not a believer. I was And so the Lord had said to me, um, and this is more about evangelism, but the Lord had said to me, um, oh, backing track, (laughs) backtracking, backing track. So we were heading home for um, winter break for Christmas. And finally she came to me and she said, I just want you to know, you guys have all met Susie, right? She said, I just want you to know, I am so sick of hearing about Jesus. She was Catholic and she said, you know, but not very religious. And she said, I am sick of it. And I just want you to know if we're still going to be friends, you can't can't talk about the Lord anymore. So I thought, oh, well, I'll miss her because I'm not going to stop talking about Jesus, you know? So I go home and I'm praying and I'm interceding and all this stuff. And, you know, for the new school year and whatever God's going to do. And, um, and so the Lord said to me, I want you to do a Bible study with Susie about the gospel. And so I said, did you hear a conversation? Because I know you're everywhere. I think you heard it. And then I reminded him, this is what she said. And so he didn't answer me. He just repeated what he told me the first time. And so I said, okay. And I found this little book. It went through all of the gospel, like who God was, his nature. It went through sin. It went through all these things. And so, so I thought, okay, well, I'll get this over with and then I'll just find new friends, you know? (laughs) So, So I get together with her and I said, listen, I feel like as I was praying, the Lord wants me to study the Bible with you. And you know how I keep talking to you about how, about sin and God and the cross and all that. This would be actually looking in the Bible and seeing what the Bible says. So we went through this Bible study. And at the end of the Bible study, I said it was receiving Christ. And I said, do you understand everything? And She said, yes. Do you want to receive Christ? And she said, no. So I said, excuse me. I went to the bathroom because I was living in a dorm. I went to the bathroom. I... Locked myself in a stall. I flushed the toilet so it would make a lot of noise, and I just sobbed. I was so sad. I thought, I obeyed God, and nothing happened, and nothing changed, and I was so sad. So I thought, I've got to pull myself together, you know, say, go back. Mm. And so she she said, I know you're probably disappointed, and I said, well, yeah, I am. I wanted you to become a Christian. I want to spend eternity in heaven with you. I really care about you. And she said, well, please don't give up on me. Please keep studying the Bible with me because I feel like I am going to give my heart to Christ, but I'm just not ready yet. So when she gave her heart to Christ, it <laughs> she didn't tell me for 48 hours because she wanted to make sure it was real. And it was final week when she gave her heart to Christ, so a whole semester. But when when I was a midwife at her birth and she came to Christ, then something changed inside of me. Like I had always loved Jesus and I always wanted to serve him. But then I said, Lord, I'll do whatever it takes to be a servant to her so she can grow strong in Christ. And, and I thought, well, Where does that heart come from? Because no one said it to me. But as I read the word, and and suddenly I would be reading these books, and I would go, Paul loves them so much because he led them to Christ, because he explained the word to them. And he led them to Christ, and they mattered to him. And he had this heart for them like a father. And, and I suddenly realized, as I'm reading the Word, and every time I would see, like, the Philippians, or I would see the Thessalonians, and Paul would be talking, I was like, I would just see Susie. I would just see Susie, you know? And I'd actually done a Bible study like that. I did it with three different people. And um, so two did not receive Christ, but Susie did. Um, but... Susie ended up within a week, she led two people on her dorm floor to Christ the next semester. So then we were, you know, then I was teaching her to help them as well as helping them myself. So what is that heart that makes us say, I will give up whatever it takes to be a servant? It's the heart of a mother and a father. Because when your baby cries in the middle of the night, Evie, you don't say, I'm not getting up. You want to sometimes. But there's something that drives you to get up with your baby. There's a love in your heart for your children. And when we... When we are sold out for Jesus so that he matters more than anything else, there is a love in our heart for people that is hard for others to understand. And it makes you say, I will give this up. I will add this. It makes you pray for them and intercede for them and cry out for them. And so what is the heart It is the heart of Jesus that he has for us. And when we are responsible in the kingdom for other people, you have that same heart. Because all the Christian life is about, is about us dying and him living in us and him producing the character of Christ, the love of Christ in us, so that we just say, it is no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. You know, and so we're just waking up, kill me, Lord, (laughs) okay, (laughs) whack. Well, I didn't know it hurt so much. But you know, when God has his way in our hearts, there's room for him and his heart and his love and his character to begin to flow through our lives. It is never something we muster up. And so often, I deal with people all the time who want a list. Well, what do I have to do to be a leader? Well, what do I have to do to be on the worship team? Well, what do I have to do to be strong in the Lord? And they want a list, but getting strong in the Lord It's something that God does as we die, as we surrender, as we pursue, as we lean in, as we press in, you know. And so anyway, it's just something to think about because, well, I'm not going to follow that train because we're going to talk about leadership another time. But I want to talk now from First Thessalonians and I want to talk about how do we minister to young believers. The first thing you have to do is make a choice that you're going to be a servant. Because brand new believers have poopy diapers. <laughs> <laughs> they do. That's cute. Brand new believers sometimes can't feed themselves. And one of the most important things that we do as mothers in the Lord. Is teach the people that we care for to read the word. How many of you have heard me talk about having a quiet time? How many of you have heard me talk about having a quiet time a million times? Good. Because <laughs> it is really important. Because I don't want to spoon feed you. I don't want to take you and say, okay, Meg, get in your little high chair. I'm going to feed you the word. I want you to be feeding yourself. I want you to fix your plate, sit down at the table, and feed yourself. And we will not grow apart from the Word. We will not grow apart from prayer. And so one of the most important things, if I want to see you be mature, I have to encourage you to get into the Word. You know, I have to teach you how to do it in a way that's simple. So one of the things that, like a lot of times, I've done when I've led people to Christ or other people have led people to Christ, I encourage them, meet with them every day for a week or so and have a quiet time with them and and teach them how to do that. Teach them how to read the word and teach them how to pray. Don't, see, think of yourself as a midwife because a midwife is there when the baby is born but the midwife's job is to help that baby bond to its mother our job is to help baby believers bond to their father so that we're working ourselves out of a job always always with other when we minister to people we're always working ourselves out of a job so that they can cry out to the lord people always come To me and say, what should I do? And I always say, what is God speaking to you to do? And if they can't tell me anything, I won't answer them. And I have one friend in particular; she's always indecisive. I won't tell you who she is. And she's always like, I know you're not going to tell me, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What should I do? (laughs) And then I say the same thing. I knew you would say that. But because you go to the Lord, then you go to wise people for confirmation so if the lord is speaking to my heart then he's going to confirm it through wise people and the bible says in a multitude of counselors there's wisdom okay so first thessalonians um it starts off where he's thanking the lord for um the thessalonians and then um, i'm going to start in verse five for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became examples to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Okay, so these people got saved, and there was power, and there was conviction. Um, Do you know that to join the church in Massachusetts in the early days, early colonial days, you had to have a testimony? You had to have a testimony. You had to say, this is what I went through. The Lord broke me. I was weeping about my sin, and then He came in. I felt new. I felt fresh. And then, what was happening is all this first generation was all saved. The second generation was half and half. But you could not be—you um, could not vote unless you were a member of a church. You could not be a member of a church unless you had a testimony so they did something called the halfway covenant and what that was is that if you adhered to a list of beliefs i believe the bible is the word of god i believe jesus is the only way if you adhere to those beliefs you could be a member of a church and that tradition has continued so it watered down the church you know so now you didn't have to have a testimony you had to sign a a list of things that you agreed with and believed And that is where there began to be compromise and stuff like that. And the author of that was um, Increase, no, not Increase Mather, Increase Mather's father. And Increase Mather spent his life trying to overturn that because he saw the fruit of it, even though he adored his father and he felt like his dad had done it from right motives. But it it really caused a lot of damage to the church in New England. So just a little history tidbit. But... um, (laughs) When people get saved, it says Jesus went about preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, when people get saved, they repent. There's a conviction of sin. There's a sense of, I am the most wicked person that ever lived. How will God ever forgive me? There's that almost a terror. In people a lot of times in our culture today we don't like people to feel repentance or godly sorrow because we want them to feel better so the first thing I'll tell you is don't get in God's way Amen. if God is bringing someone to repentance let him do it if if people tell me I feel so guilty I don't say oh no you shouldn't feel guilty blah blah I say oh well, Jesus can forgive you. That's a lot more encouraging than for me to try to tell them they're not sinful, which is a lie. But for me to say Jesus can forgive you is the truth. And so when people begin to feel that sorrow, it means God is moving in their heart. Sometimes people will come forward and they'll give their heart to Christ, and then for like a month, they wake up every night weeping god is doing he's bringing he's cleaning them do you guys know what i'm talking about when god is dealing with your heart and and he is just and you are repenting and you're broken and you're like oh and and when god when you walk with jesus and god is cleaning something out of your life you will be broken you will be weeping you will be sorrowful you will say, Lord, how could I do this? How could I do this? So don't get in God's way. When you try to make someone feel better, you rob them of, if they're not saved, maybe coming into the kingdom. If they're believers, you rob them of finding freedom. Repentance is a gift from the Lord. Don't get in God's way. Instead... Say, God can forgive you. God can forgive you. Memorize verses about forgiveness. One of the main things, if you want to minister to people, memorize verses. <laughs> you know, if you want to be close to Jesus, memorize verses so you can meditate on them night and day. But a couple of verses 1 John 2, wait, 1 John 1, 9, and 10. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And then we also have um, Psalm 103, which says, God separates our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. So if we have repented, God separates our sins from us. So condemnation comes from the devil godly sorrow and repentance come from the Holy Spirit. And so once someone has repented, then your job is to help them experience God's forgiveness. Repentance, sorry I'm scratching my phone. (laughs) It's on the tape now. Okay, so repentance is not um, being sorry that you were caught. I get the joy, you know, of being a pastor's wife, of having parents bring their kids to me and they are not repentant. They are really disappointed they got caught. You know what I'm talking about? We've all probably been there and we hate the consequences of our sin. And it might be. I mean, and I'm talking, you know, or we're reaping what our sin has sown. Like people get divorced because they have sinned against their spouse and their spouse finally says, I've had enough. And then they're sorrowful but they're not repentant. So repentance is to say, I have sinned against a holy God. Next comes dealing with all the ways they've sinned against people, but that's that first step. And then you can tell when someone's repentant because they'll have a desire to make restitution. They'll usually say, what can I do to make it right? And then you, in most cases, say, nothing god has to intervene here but you can receive god's forgiveness and be a new person and every time we sin and every time we repent we need to take that step of receiving god's forgiveness that's just in growing in christ that means when the devil says you sinner you say oh no i've repented god has forgiven me And my sin is separated from me as far as the east is from the west. So you do not need to try to create repentance in people. You will get in the way. You do not need to try to make them feel guilty. You need to help them get close to Jesus. Jesus will take care of that. Now, I'm not talking about raising children because raising children is different. We're instructing them. We're teaching them right from wrong. We're, we're accountable to God for their behavior, which is kind of scary sometimes <laughs> when you have strong-willed children, right? Amen? Amen. So, okay. But a lot of times we think we, can, we think we can step in and be the Holy Spirit, but we're not really good at it. Because we don't even see the most important things in people's lives. You know, we see what's visible, but we don't see the most important things. Because the heart is deep waters. Who can know the heart? You know, but God knows the heart. So, so here we have got to push people to Jesus. Push people to his word. Teach them to pray, teach them to worship, teach them the principle in in 2 Timothy you know, you putting aside sin and you run the race with people who are calling upon the Lord out of a pure heart and who are pursuing righteousness, peace, etc. etc. So you teach people that principle he who walks with the wise grows wise. So, you know, I say to new Christians, what kind of Christian do you want to be? Hang out with those people. If you want to be a compromiser, hang out with the compromisers. If you want to be sold out to Jesus, hang out with the sold out to Jesus people because they will impact you. And you, I've, I've seen it in my own life. And there was a year where three pastors in Central Florida fell. And Mike and I got on our face because we were we, like when pastors fall, we will cry. We will just pray and we will be like kneeling beside our bed and we will be crying because like they're shepherding God's flock. And, you know, is it the devil? Is it, a you know, like what happened? And, and then and then we just said, Lord, clean us up, whatever, wherever we need to raise our standards, we're raising our standards. We're not letting the devil have any foothold at all, whatever we need to do. And we actually tweak things in our life and we, we raised our standards, you know, and I'm not even going to, you know, tell you what they are, but we, we make changes because we don't want, we don't think we couldn't fall. We know the devil is tricky and we want to stay safe close to Jesus. Part of that is who our closest friends are. Okay, does that make sense? So I'm not saying, oh, well, stop talking to that person. That's not what I'm saying. But build your closest friends with the people that you look at them and you say, I want to be like them. I want to be like them. Okay. All right, so the Holy Spirit came with conviction. And um, and now I'm going to read you my favorite. This is... One of my favorite things. Um, Verse 9. For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. That is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath that is to come. Um, I, I started praying this prayer because this passage, this verse, I started praying it in my quiet time because we had had, we had like baptized like four people in a row and there was no change in their life and they all went back to the world. And I was just in my quiet time one day and I was saying, Lord, I want to see people come into your kingdom. I want to see them just like this. I want to see them turn from idols to serve the true and living God. And so, um, that week I started praying that every day sarah jeffords gave her heart to christ and sarah was so in the world like she was so in the world if you would have seen her the way she dressed the way you know the relationships she had with men and like she was in the world and i thought oh golly i guess this isn't you know i i was i was a little nervous because i wanted to like bond with her and um So I said, let's go out for coffee. And I thought, I'm just going to talk to her about, like, she can't get drunk anymore. She has Mm -hmm. to stop doing this and doing that. So I'm just going to talk to her, like, sisterly. So we sit down. And she says, (laughs) I said, how are you doing? And she said, well, I'm reading the word every day, like you said. You said to start in John. And I'm finished with John. And this is, like, less than a week later. (laughs) And so then she says, and I broke things off with my boyfriend. I told him I'm a Christian now. I can't do these things anymore. Um, and I gave up this and I gave up this and I gave up this. And like God had, like I thought, oh wow. See, God does a great job. And um, so we had a great time fellowshipping and you know, I gave her some more books of the Bible to read. I got in my car and I just put my head on my steering wheel. And I said, Jesus. You are so good. Because she turned from idols to serve the true and living God. And I don't know a more godly woman than Sarah. You know, I really don't. She is, <laughs> she is so pure. And she, God has completely wiped away the world from her. And that's what he does for all of us. If you feel like you have this shame. I love songs that say God wipes away our shame. God wipes away our shame, and he makes us beautiful. He wipes away our shame, and he makes us beautiful. And I just, that's my passion. I want to see people turn from idols to serve the true and living God. But I can't make that happen. I have to try to push them to Jesus. One of the most effective things that I can do is I can, it says in verse 6, You also became imitators of us and of the Lord. The most important thing for me to do for young believers to grow strong is to imitate Jesus the very best I can. Now, I am going to completely blow it. And you could, everyone could get up and say 50 terrible things about me. And they would all probably be true. But in my heart... I am pursuing Jesus and I am trying to imitate him so that I can say, Lynette, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Hosanna, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mary, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Not in a prideful way. But Laura and I were driving one day, and Laura was a she was a you know a young believer and and she was a handful as well when i first met her and um and we're driving along and i was never quite sure what laura was going to say because there was a lot of hurt when i met laura there was a lot of hurt that god had to heal in her heart and so we're driving along and she says i'm so glad that we're friends because i needed jesus with skin on that made me cry. <laughs> but I was like, okay, so that's what that was we, we <laughs> <laughs> need. <way or> <laughs> we, we need to we need to we need to be able to look at each other, especially the leaders in our midst. if you want to have a heart to, if you want to be mature, if you want to be someone who says, yes, she's mature, then you have to be someone that people can look at you and say, I see Jesus. I see Jesus. And wow, I was reading the gospel today, and Jesus was doing this, this, and this, and that's how she lives. And God, guys, God chooses the lowly, the weak, the despised, the foolish things. He is not looking for magnificence. He is looking for humility. He is looking for people who are sold out to him. He can use all of us if we yield to him. Okay, um, Paul goes on in chapter 2 and he talks about that they had been mistreated in sharing the gospel in Philippi. In fact, they were so mistreated that they had to crawl into a basket and be let out, cities used up walls, And they had to be let out over the wall and escape because they were coming to kill them. That is being mistreated from the gospel. Now, Patty and Shine were mistreated Mm -hmm. for the gospel Mm -hmm. on Saturday. A man in his underoos, (laughs) (laughs) when they knocked at the door, just lit into them and Okay, and and that, I mean, and now that is just, imagine if he pulled out a shotgun and started firing and Patty and Shine had to run for their lives. That's kind of where Paul was. He was running for his life. And he says, we've been mistreated in Philippi. But, and then verse four, he says, but just as we had been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we may have asserted our authority. See, we so much want people to like us as women. We're relational We want people to like us. We want to fit in. You know, when people are nice to us, we gravitate to them, whether they're good for us or bad for us. But Paul says, you know what? I thought about one thing when I was sharing the gospel with you God has entrusted me with this gospel, and I'm going to honor him. Not just the gospel. But we have the word. Some of you really know the word. You really know. And some of you right now, in the past few months, you have been pressing into God. And God has been revealing things to you. And so you have this treasure. And, you know, what if you're sitting there and and you're at lunch? And you're with maybe Christians, but you know they're not pursuing Christ right now. God is kind of on the back burner, and God speaks to your heart and He says, Share what I showed you in your quiet time on Tuesday. Well, they might think that I'm, you know, pushy. Or they might think that I'm like a Jesus freak. Or they might think that I'm not very relatable and they might not want to be my friend. I think. We need to come to the place that our whole life is not about people liking us. It's all about pleasing God. And um, I want to tell you something in that, and this is kind of weird, and this was many years ago, so you don't know the people involved in this. I don't want you to try to imagine who they are, but I was leading worship, and I was talking to my team before I started, and... And the Lord would say, "Talk about pornography today." Pornography—that's so embarrassing. I would really rather not Talk about pornography. Okay. So I talk about pornography, and then the next week, talk about pornography. Read this scripture. Talk about pornography. Every like this is what, so. Finally, usually I say, "Lord, what do you want me to share?" I stopped asking him because I decided I'm just going to share my own stuff. Because God keeps making me talk about pornography, I don't want to talk about pornography. I'm a girl; I don't struggle with pornography. This is embarrassing. And I had a, a bunch, bunch, bunch of young men who were helping on the sound team. So, um, so I would plan something without asking God, of course, because I knew what he would sing, because he kept saying. So I'd have something all prepared, and then I would get up there, and God would say, "Talk about pornography." Do you remember? Yep. Okay, so every week, this is is week after week after week. And finally, someone came up to me and they're like, you know what, I'm so sick about hearing about pornography. And I thought, yeah, me too. And and he said, you know, I want to come here and feel good. And when you keep talking about this, I, I just don't feel happy or good. And I said, so I thought, what do I say? So I said, well, could you tell God then? Because he keeps making me talk about it. So next week, talk about it again. You know, that person is glaring at me. The next week, talk about it again. This is going on. It's over like two or three months. Finally, six or seven people came to me and said, I'm struggling with pornography. Can you pray for me? And I said yes. I'm going to set up an appointment with you with my husband, and <laughs> he will meet with you. And he, because if people are bound up in pornography, they usually need deliverance. Almost always, they have demons and they need deliverance. So we're doing this. And um, one of the first persons to come to me was this person who had said, "I'm so sick of hearing this." And every time I would talk about it, I would say. Jesus can set you free because he can. So, anyway, I just share that because I was so embarrassed. Like, I would get up there and everybody would look at me and I think, they know I'm going to talk about my And I don't want to. Don't they know? Like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> so, but I was faithful to honor Christ. And because I was faithful to him, even though I was experiencing disappointment from the people that, you know, if someone's going to play for you and mix sound for you, you would like them to like you and not like, thank you, sound really horrible. <laughs> so, but God did something and there was freedom that was poured out because I was willing to just obey him. And to, to not compromise. And so I, I just want to encourage you. Honor Christ. And let the chips fall where they may. I know that's easy to say. It's hard when they fall. Okay. Um, Paul goes on and he says, um, Verse 7. But we prove to be gentle among you, as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our very lives, because you had become so dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. So the first thing he says is, I was like a mother. He says, I was like a nursing mother. And if you've ever nursed a baby, or one day you will, you'll find this out. If you're in a store and a baby cries, your milk will let down. So you'll be walking along and your shirt will be wet. Because there is actually something inside of you that when you hear a baby cry, your body responds. And so that's why... That's why a great gift is those little... I still have them in my drawer, these, like, little pads that you wear. So, you know... You can pass them on. And I'll pass... Yes, because I'm done. So, but but that is... it's It's involuntary. It is just, like, God just set it up. And it's awful sometimes, because you're like, that's not even my kid, you know? <laughs> so, but I just say that because... If we're loving people for Jesus, it will be involuntary, where we hear in our spirit the cry of a heart, and all of a sudden, the resources will come from nowhere. They're coming, of course, from Jesus. He will provide through us to meet needs, if we're walking with him and yielded to him. So... And um, we don't want to be a burden to people. I had this one lady. She was so sweet and so loving. But she would disciple people. And when she discipled them, she would spend the whole time just sharing all her problems with them. So she'd like there be a new believer and she'd be taking him through the rebel kit. And the whole time she'd say, oh my goodness, my marriage is falling apart and my husband is so mean and this and this and this. And so I had, you know, They would come to me and they're like, well, I thought she was kind of supposed to be discipling me. And it's kind of awkward because I'm a new Christian. I don't know the word. I don't know what to say to her. So I think that's a good example of being a burden. Because we do want to go to our peers and go to our leaders with our burdens and our problems. But if we're mentoring someone, we don't want to be dumping a lot on them. Now, there's a difference between being transparent and dumping. Do you guys kind of follow that? Like, you know, you can say, well, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. In fact, this week, I struggled with my temper. That's being transparent. Saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. and blah blah, blah, blah blah That is being a burden. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Um, you are witnesses, and so is God. How, devout, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting, encouraging, and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. I tell people all the time, I'm going to share with you what the Bible says. And if you don't want to do it, that is going to have to be between you and God, because this is not me. This is the word of God. And um, I think it's very important to urge people to live lives that are honoring Christ. You know, when we look at the church today, I think I can say this, that we live in times where the church looks like the world in a lot of ways. You know, they're getting drunk, they're getting divorced, they're, you know, they're um, cruel, talking dirty, you know, and I just, it makes me sad. We are really blessed in our body right here. You have so many people who are sold out for Christ. But when you go out, you know, I, I meet so many people because of being a worship leader that are involved in Christian music. And I, I'm blown away by their agenda and that it's so selfish. It's not about winning the loss. It's not about the glory of God. And, and so I think we live in a time where not everyone we lead to Christ is going to come to power line because, you know, they might already be plugged into a church and we might just be there leading them to Christ or they might live in another place. But we need to really urge all believers to live lives worthy of the calling they have received. The Bible says without holiness, no one will see God. Now, I'm not saying that that we have to, you know, shove, things down like here's a list of all the things you need to do but we need to think in terms of imparting for instance a big thing for a lot of people is tithing teach i in my economics class i taught my economics kids to tithe and they i mean god is blessing those kids financially a lot of them already tithe but we talked and talked about tithing and they're reaping the benefits because they're just saying hey i'm tithing you know it's not a big deal my dad wasn't even a believer he taught me to tithe and you know god has blessed me as i have and so but for some people they don't tithe and money is a snare to them and they can focus on money instead of jesus and the bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil so Now, I'm not saying you want to say to someone, you need to do this or you're going to hell, because we're saved by grace. All of God's commands lead us into the blessing of God. Most people, and I have this all the time, (laughs) this um, woman, I mean, she came to me and she said, I want my daughters to be just like your daughters. What do you do? And so I said, well, here's how I raise my daughters. And, um, and she said, oh, I don't think my daughters will like me if I raise them that way. And I said, well, there are times my daughters don't like me, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> because I don't care. I'm not raising them to be happy little blue jays. I'm raising them <laughs> to be holy. I'm ra- and I know that if they're holy, they'll be happy. Because holiness is the first button, and happiness follows holiness. And so I never say, are my kids having fun? I say, are we honoring Christ? And, and a lot of times we sit down and I'll say, let's pray and ask God if this is okay. And they hate that because usually God says no. <laughs> but, um, but so I'm just saying, so this woman said, I can't do that because my kids won't like me. And she went on to reap a lot of devastation in her life. And that was her choice. But see, if we honor Christ and walk in his ways because we love him, and if we cultivate, if we get people in the word right away when they get saved, and and worshiping and praying and surrounded by people who are on fire for the Lord they will be coming to you saying things like this will you speak into my life how can i be more like jesus what should i do with this how should i manage my money how should i do this how because there's a hunger in them what is god saying i want to know but we can't create that hunger by telling them what to do we create that hunger by pushing them toward christ does that make sense so a lot of times we try to put the cart before the horse. Then we have these people who walk in all of these. Okay, like there was one woman who would call me. And she'd say, can I send you a picture of an outfit that I'm about to buy for my kids? Do you think it's modest? And I, and I would say, please don't do that. You need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Then later she started saying that I was legalistic. And I thought, you have got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. And I just thought, you know what? It's fine. I mean, I'd rather be called bad than maybe a drunkard or something. But I was just, you know, I just (laughs) think to myself, well, can't we tell people you have the Holy Spirit if you're born again? And, you know, cultivate in each other one thing that really touches my heart as new believers when people stood up and said this is how I was living and God spoke to my heart and I changed because I looked at that and I said wow that is amazing um I'll close with this Aisha came to the church and she was living with the guy and um so she and Bruno came in and um you know i thought oh golly they both went forward they're living together and i thought well how is god going to handle this because i'm not going to handle it <laughs> it's going to be either god or mike you know so um within like a couple weeks they came to us and said you know we feel like we're, we're dishonoring christ we feel really uncomfortable i'm sleeping on the couch i haven't since i gave my heart to christ i haven't been in the bedroom but I really feel like we're dishonoring Christ. And so I said, well, how about if Aisha moves in with us temporarily? (laughs) So here she is, and and she's like one of my kids. But God did that. You know, God made them feel really uncomfortable. It would have been wrong for me to say, oh, well, you're in separate rooms. Oh, that's fine, because they did. Living in the same apartment gave the appearance of evil. They did need to move apart. It was not right. But because God worked in their hearts and they wanted to honor him, they were so, what do I do? What do I do? How do I grow? How do I grow? And I remember them going for a walk with me. And they're like, I know the people in your church, they do courtship. And we want to do courtship. And I said, "Well, I don't think you can do courtship. You guys have already lived together. You know? <laughs> oh my God, no. And so it was such, like, it was just, it blew me away. And I thought, what are they saying to me? They're saying, whatever is pure, I want to do. They weren't feeling like, oh, I want to fit in and be like, they, they were just saying, whatever's pure, I want to do. I want to do things to the pure, and this is the purest way I'm seeing. So tell me about that. And so, you know, we had a talk and, and we just, you know, kind of talked through some things. And, you know, and I remember like we're walking along, one's on each side of me, we're walking down and I'm going, What do I say? The whole time they're talking, like, What do I say? 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 I just kept saying that to the Lord. I didn't know what to say. And here I look at Aisha and another example loves the Lord loves the Lord what can I do and God has just wiped away the world I can't see it anymore at all so um so wow. okay um I did go longer than I wanted so what we're going to do now um,